It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Co-host Wes Goldberg joining me in just a minute. We've been gone because of the holiday break, but we are back now breaking down the four-game win streak of the Golden State Warriors, the glorious beatdown of the Houston Rockets on Christmas. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Like, come on. That was, that's, that's so good. So good. And uh, some nice developments for one of the Warriors' best players starting to play like it. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Wes Goldberg joining me in just a minute. Joining me from San Antonio as he gets ready for the New Year's Eve game against the Spurs, who, man, to me, they're still the Spurs, dude. I'm still afraid of them. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I think we're all living in their world still. But anyways... The Dubs, four-game win streak, beautiful. They're 9-25, and 25, still in the bottom three uh, when it comes to lottery odds, which is a good spot to be because of the flattened-out lottery odds. The bottom three all have the same odds. But we also got a nice little win streak, and we got a great win on Christmas. We also have D'Angelo Russell playing like the best player on the team, and that's a major plus for me. I haven't wanted to bash him or anything, but there were too many games where he wasn't the best player on the floor, and he needs to be that more. And we saw that throughout the last five games that he has been gangbusters. We're going to talk about all that with co-host Wes Goldberg in just a minute. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Available in three colors, its thin light design, built-in HD camera, and touchscreen turns any space into your workspace. More at surface.com slash laptop go. Wes, what's up, my man? We last talked after the Warriors beat the Timberwolves 113-104. It was their second win in a four-game win streak. And I know it happened last week, you know, five days ago, but there is absolutely no way I'm going to let a win over the Houston Rockets on Christmas Day go untalked about because I 
I honestly can't think of a better opponent for them to have this win again. Some might say the Lakers or something like that. But to me, it's got to be the Rockets because of the history, not just with Harden, not just with Daryl Morey. You throw Russell Westbrook in there. You throw in the fact it's Christmas. You throw in the fact that the Warriors are one of the worst teams in the league right now. It was just, man, for me, it was the best Christmas present I could get personally. And you know I'm a Warriors fan. You're a little uh, less biased than I am. But it it was (laughs) – I, I can't imagine a better win throughout this entire year for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, can can you? Well, no, and I don't think they can either. I mean, Steve Kerr basically said after the game that that was their biggest game of the season, and that's pretty much why they got up the way they did for it. Um, it went, uh, and that that would probably be their biggest win of the season. Uh, I just, what other stage do they have? It's it's a situation where they're not going to be making the playoffs, right? I mean, it's the biggest stage that they're going to be on only because they keep getting all these other nationally televised games yanked away from them. You can't do that for a Christmas day game. So it's, that was it. This was their Super Bowl, and they won it. Um, But, you know, it just, it does, oh, go ahead. No, I was just getting some of the specifics, the the defensive um, game plan they had and how they, you know, were able to execute it because, look, it's great to have a game plan. You still have to go out and execute it. It's like in the NFL, yeah. like, oh, if you can get pressure on Tom Brady with four, you're going to be able to win. Okay, that's a lot harder to actually do. And the fact that they were able to trap James Harden, and that's also something that kept him uh, from going to the line, in my opinion, is the fact that they were trapping him near half court, so he wasn't able to get his drives going as much. And even when he did, they did a good job of not fouling. Um, I just thought it was as good of a, a defensive game plan that they've had against him and then executed basically to perfection. Well, the key there is the execution part of it because they wouldn't have been able to do that in the first couple weeks of the season, right? I mean, given how bad that this team was just guarding a regular pick-and-roll, not a pick-and-roll involving James Harden, not a high pick-and-roll with Clint Capella or P.J. Tucker setting the screen at half court, just a normal pick-and-roll. They couldn't do it. And the improvements that they had made over the course of the last month, I would say, on that end allowed Steve Kerr and basically their new defensive coordinator, uh, Jaron Collins, to design a new game plan and then go ahead and execute that game plan because uh, they wouldn't have done that. I asked them about that after the game. Would you have, would you have done this version of defense a month ago? And Steve basically was like, no, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And it's only because of the defensive improvements that this team has made. This team is now 11th in defensive rating over the last 10 games. That's an incredible improvement from an historically bad defense the first two weeks of the season. So, uh, I, it, it's pretty remarkable how far along we've come on that on that side of the ball. Offensively, they've actually kind of taken a step back a little bit, but defensively, they're an, they're an average defensive team now, which is incredible to think about uh, considering where they were to start the season. No question. And one of the big things uh, in that game and over the last couple of weeks has been uh, Damian Lee. I mean. In that game, he basically took over the second quarter, got to the free throw line a bunch, career-high 15 rebounds, 22 points. Without him, I don't think they win that game. You know, it started to slip away in the second quarter. I think they were down 13, and he kind of took over to an extent, kept it within a shouting distance, and then they were able to, you know, finish him off. But it it just is another example of the fact that they have two guys on two-way contracts that are going to need to be uh, on this roster eventually. Now – the good thing about the two-way contracts we talked about, they're not very player-friendly. So even if their 45 days run out and they have to spend the rest of the season in the G League, 
the Warriors still have their rights. But I don't think there's any way that either of these guys, or at least one of them, I know one of them has to make it to the roster eventually. And it looks like with his performance recently, it's got to be Damian Lee, right? Yeah, and given the fact that he's a starter too, and that he's yeah. basically a finished product, I think like this is this is who he is, right? I mean, he is a floor spacer, uh, undersized rebounder, uh, versatile-ish enough defender, uh, and, and that's that's just who he's going to be. He's old for a two-way contract player, typical to the rest of the NBA. So you look at a guy like Kai Bowman, meanwhile, and it makes a lot like as impressive as he's been and as remarkable as his emergence has been, he still has a lot more things to sort out than Damian Lee does. He's, I think he has a higher ceiling than Damian Lee, Damian Lee does. But uh, you look at what coaches want him to improve on, and it's, it's situational decision-making, uh, general ball handling, um, shooting off the dribble, things like that. And he's, he's going to have a hard time getting those reps in with Golden State in San Francisco because D'Angelo Russell has the ball all the time. Draymond Green is running offense all the time. You got a guy like Alec Burks for now who is doing stuff. I mean, like the opportunities are going to be a lot fewer and further in between for, for Kai at Golden State than it would be in Santa Cruz where he basically could just run the offense. And so I think it makes a lot more sense to give him an extended stint in Santa Cruz so that he can shore up the finer points of his game and work on those things that coaches want him to work on Whereas Damian Lee has started the last six games, the Warriors they like his floor spacing, they like the 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 groove that they're in offensively and defensively. So if push comes to shove and they're only able to bring one guy up, I think you know three weeks ago we said, oh yeah, it's definitely going to be Kai Bowman. I think it's going to be Damian Lee. I'm pretty sure that that's the guy that they're going to promote to the 15 man roster. And then by the end of the season, when you're able to bring Kai up on a prorated minimum salary, you just do it then, and then you've got your two two way guys locked up for next season. Definitely. And I, I, that's a great point about uh, being a finished product for Damian Lee. I mean, he is who he is, which is a nice piece, a nice role player. And on top of that, the Warriors have, even though he might not be as good as Kai Bowman, they have another option uh, instead of him to play that backup point guard role. And Jacob Evans, who, again, that's, hasn't been yeah. he, great. He, he flashed once or twice. Uh, well, you know, that's a, that's a really good point, too, because he's not been great. So now it gives them an extended look at Jacob Evans as backup point guard, right? Because you're going to have to make a decision with a lot of these fringe guys on this roster. Jacob Evans being maybe the number one fringe guy that they're going to have to make a pressing decision on here. Two years removed from being a first-round pick. Hasn't really done much to deserve any more kind of, any more of a leash here. So you get an extended look at him. Well, you know what you have in Kai Bowman. and You allow Kai Bowman to develop. I mean, he is the backup point guard of the future. I don't think there's any doubt about it. It's just where does Jacob Evans fit in, at all, if, if at all. And they're going to figure that out over the next, uh, you know, three months or so. Yeah, and I have to give him a little credit. He did have, uh, you know, one of his better games against Houston. In eight minutes, he had eight points, three of five from the field, uh, one of two from three. But, again, that's when, when, you know, eight points is one of your biggest impacts. It's, it's still not great. Uh, but I, I also think that they don't have the other option behind Damian Lee where – you know, some people might bring up Alec Burks. Alec Burks is a different type of player. Alec Burks is a one-on-one uh, drive type of player where Damian Lee kind of fits similar to that Glenn Robinson spot where, like, you can see him mm-hmm. play a role when Steph and Clay are back. You can see him be fine sitting in the corner waiting to hit an open three where a guy like Alec Burks would need the ball in his hand. So I, it's just another reason why I think, you know, Damian Lee is going to be the, the first two-way player uh, to be brought up. So I'm Somebody kind of asked me still the other day, 
Somebody asked me the other day, no, how many games? How many games do you think Damian Lee plays in Santa Cruz this season? And I said zero, and I stand by that. Sorry, you cut out. What was what was the final number? Uh, zero. <laughs> somebody, yeah, somebody, somebody asked me how many games Damian Lee will play in Santa Cruz for the G League team, and I said zero. I don't think he'll play, even if his forty-five days are up. Um, at the NBA level. He might get sent. Uh-huh. He might just be assigned to Santa Cruz, but I don't think he'll actually play in Santa Cruz because the other thing about that is him being that finished product that he is. I don't think it serves anybody any good for him to even get out there. He could get injured. Number one. Number two. Yeah. Uh, you're just taking minutes away from those guys that are on the developmental team to develop, and there's nothing left for for Damian Lee. When I say Damian Lee is a finished product, I don't mean that he's some sort of elite basketball player. I just mean like he is what he is, and there's nothing else mm-hmm. to learn. There's nothing else to kind of glean from him playing in the G League. So I, I don't think he'll play a single minute. I could just – I could my, my foot could be square in my mouth within a couple of weeks, but um, <laughs> I, I don't think he'll play a game down there. But I agree with you as far as finished product. Yeah, he's an NBA role player, and that's that's yeah. that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Like that's, that's a good thing for the Warriors and a good thing for Damian Lee that he – I think um, a lot of people agree that he's an NBA player, and uh, I think he will be – Firmly on an NBA roster pretty soon. Uh, just to wrap up this Rockets game, one of the best parts, too, about the their defensive um, was strategy in that game was, Russell, go ahead and shoot 32 times and go 11 of 32 and 0 of 8 from 3. And, you know, just as Warriors fans, we love that. There were a lot of great things to come from that game. So uh, I just had to bring that up one more time. Uh, they had another win after that and another exciting game after that as well. And we're going to talk about both those in just a minute. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Okay, Wes, the Christmas game, I think I've gushed enough about it. I'll probably bring it up more throughout the season just because uh, I loved it so much. But uh, the Warriors played Phoenix a couple days later and were able to pull out a win against them as well to complete the four-game winning streak. They won 105 to 96, had a nice comeback in the fourth. Uh, One of the things, and then we'll get to some more of the game stuff, but one of the things I'm loving seeing recently is the fact that Steph and Clay are present. They're there. And you mentioned something recently when I think Steph was at a home game. It's just a reminder that they're still the Warriors. That, you know, even though they're, what is it, 9-25 and 25 right now, they're still going to be the Golden State Warriors next year. Still going to be a mm-hmm. team to be reckoned with. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it seems to get like a bit of a confident rest of these young guys that, you know, the two-time MVP is there uh, losing his mind over a, a, a Kai Bowman, you know, fast break dunk. 
I don't think I don't think you're making too much of it at all. I actually don't think that we're making enough of it in general. Uh, <laughs> Steph, not only is he uh, on the sidelines celebrating his teammates, kind of giving them confidence that way, um, but you know, Marquise Chris was saying the other day, like he's amazed that a guy at Steph's level will just show up and just talk to people, which is kind of funny to think uh, about, right? Because they're teammates. There's only there's only you know, these are two of 15 guys on the roster that we're talking about right now, and one of them is saying like, I can't believe he's even talking to me. I mean, that's the kind of status <laughs> that Steph has for some of these guys. And he, like Chris being 22 years old, you know, was just sort of getting into playing basketball seriously when Steph was emerging as an MVP player. And so, yeah, it would be a big deal for him, especially considering that they barely played together so far. So uh, for Steph to be on the bench as well as Clay Thompson, um, you know, being there to to celebrate their wins and stuff like that, but also like Steph is a is kind of like a coach, um, a coach on the bench too. I mean, I, there was a there was an instance in that Houston Rockets game that you love so much, where I think they Steph noticed something about how they were uh, attacking the pick and roll and or guarding the pick and roll, or I'm sorry, how the Rockets were guarding their pick and roll, the Warriors pick and roll, and he said, hey, if we do these two things, we're gonna get a lot more open shots. And so he told that to Bruce Frazier, the assistant coach. Bruce Frazier went ahead and told Steve Kerr what the adjustment was. Steve executed, execu- uh, uh, made the adjustment, and the Warriors scored a bunch of points in a row. So, like, just having that there, you just, like, nobody sees that, right? You see all the fun celebrating. You see him just getting hyped and all that fun stuff. Yeah. But he's also, like, there as, like, one of the smartest players the league has ever seen. And that's helpful, too. So, uh, I just think it. I think it has been tremendous, and their four-game win streak coinciding with him returning to the bench. I don't think was a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, no question. And I mean, Clay's there too. We saw Clay uh, help Draymond get into it with Porzingis the other night. That was fun. I mean, it's um, it's just a nice reminder of the the Warriors of you know the last five years. Uh, one of the nice things that happened throughout this win streak, especially against Dallas, and I haven't wanted to go too hard on D'Angelo Russell, but there, to me, there've been too many games where he's not, you know, the, the clear cut best player for the Warriors. And we saw it over throughout this win streak where he's really starting to emerge, especially like I said, against Dallas where he has, you know, 15 straight and is knocking down all these three pointers and all that. But it's just one of the nice things to see where I kind of expected, not to say that I expected 35 points out of him every game, but just a little more explosiveness, and we're starting to see that from him, and I think that's a great development, not just for them, but for the Warriors also. And he's developing a nice little two-man game with Draymond Green, uh, as Draymond being the screener, D'Angelo Russell coming off of that. Uh, I know Dallas in particular, like, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell comes out, scores 12 points in the first two minutes, 15 points in the first two two minutes and 32 seconds. And Rick Carlisle just, like, freaks out. He's like, I don't know what to do with this guy. So they start trapping him, like, at half court, and just to get him out of his rhythm, right? That's why you do something like that. And it doesn't matter. Danza Russell, like, goes around. Like, call, like Draymond comes up and now screens the guy that's trying to trap D'Angelo Russell off the weak side. D'Angelo Russell goes around him. He ends up, like, pulling up from 29 feet anyway and draining a three-pointer. And it's like, what do you do with that? Like, how – like, you can't guard that. He is literally just shooting over the defense. It's like, at some point, if that ball goes in, the ball goes in. It doesn't matter. It's just like in the NFL, like you can't defend a perfect throw. Well, in the NBA, if the guy's just on fire like that, you can't defend it. It doesn't matter. And that's basically what he was doing. So, I mean, again, you can't expect that every game, like you said. 
but this is why this is this is his value, right? Is every once mm-hmm. in a while, just like Clay Thompson can score sixty points in twelve seconds or whatever it was, just like you know Stephen Curry can just have a snowball in the third quarter and just overwhelm a team with a you know rain you know a meteor shower of three pointers. DeAndre Russell also has that skill. He has that ability. And now, so you go from having two of those guys to three of those guys. The variance of that happening on a game-to-game basis increases exponentially and can be, again, overwhelming. And that's the key word there. The Warriors, for the last half decade, have at times been overwhelming. And they had that with Kevin Durant. You're, You're not getting that in the same amount as Kevin Durant, but you are getting a taste of that. You are getting a degree of that with a guy like D'Angelo Russell, and that's why you don't trade D'Angelo Russell for Robert Covington. <laughs> you know what, man? I, no, and I'm so <laughs> with you. I, I, man, the, the Covington stuff drives me crazy, too. It's, it's, <laughs> find another way to get Covington. You don't trade D'Angelo Russell for Robert Covington. Like, I'm, Co- I'm, and Covington, I'm yeah, so Covington is just, Covington is, the, uh, is my avatar for a generic 3 and D player who fits. Like, this is yeah. why, again, fit to me is is important but it's extremely overrated it is extremely overrated you can find guys who fit who don't necessarily win you can find guys who fit that don't necessarily have an impact in games when they matter most at the points that they matter most and d'angelo russell is one of those guys who does i mean he he lead he's among the lead leaders in, in crunch time scoring so the nba has a stat so in games that the NBA deems as clutch time, which is a game that is within five points with five minutes or less left in the game, uh, D'Angelo Russell has played in nine of those games. In, and in those nine games that D'Angelo Russell has played, the Warriors are four and five. Now, I know that's a losing record, but if you really think about the, the fact that the Warriors have only won nine games this season, to be able to post an almost 500 record in clutch time games when D'Angelo Russell is playing is pretty remarkable. And his his stats in those in those minutes are are pretty insane. I don't think that he can maintain them, but he's averaging between four and five points during those five minutes and shooting better than fifty percent. And we just got done talking about those crazy shots that he's taking. I mean, these pull up twenty eight footers, these, these rainbow floaters in the lane. The only other guy whose stats are comparable to D'Angelo Russell in clutch time is Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid is seven feet tall. And all of his shots can just come from him bulldozing to the rim. Like, of course, he's going to be shooting better than 50%. He's not taking 28-foot pull-up jumper. He's not taking these crazy floaters, these tough shots like D'Angelo Russell is taking. And D'Angelo Russell has basically stats comparable to a seven-footer as opposed to a guard like he is. And so, I, again, you can't maintain that, but it just goes to show like what he is doing for the team right now and, and that sort of tough, top, that tough shot-making skill that is so rare in the NBA. Yeah, I mean he's a legit closer, and he, the guy does make tough shots. I, I feel like he makes more—I I don't want to call him bad, but more contested shots than than I, I've seen, uh, at least in in recent memory. Uh, we're about to wrap this one up for the day. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you all had a great holiday. I hope you all have a good New Year's. Even though you know what, I'm gonna talk to you before then, so it doesn't even matter. But just come back, listen to more Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day you are locked on warriors your daily podcast on the golden state warriors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day san jose sharks hockey is back and we've got you covered five days a week at locked on sharks i'm kyle demetrius i'm jd young eric Fowl. together we make sure you're never without your sharks programming will the sharks make a trade for a right winger we got you covered will eric carlson's groin hold up for the entire season 
we've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.